yeah, it's been a while. while. All right. Welcome back to True Crime Trine, the podcast where the planets align and three friends chat true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit they can fit into this podcast. We are your hosts, Hannah and Meredith and Caitlin. Yay! Another guest. (laughs) 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 Woo! Welcome to episode 68. Yay! Do, 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 do. Welcome to Caitlin. She's another guest. We're just, we're making up for the loss of Sarah. Sarah's still on sabbatical. Wah, wah. Yeah, wah, wah, actually. She's working super hard. Probably the last year she'll have a doer, though, so maybe it's bittersweet. Yeah. I hope she's had a chance to visit the cemetery. Ah, God. If she didn't do it with me, then I'm going to be a little mad she did it without me, but... (laughs) I mean, went in the daytime, but at nighttime. Yeah. All right, so Caitlin, special guest today. She is our previous guest, Andy's girlfriend, so <laughs> it's a real family affair, and she's on the screen as Andy right now. It's perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have invited her on today because she also has a background growing up in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and it's time for another Adventist Corner. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited, and I'm going to shout out this, so... My other podcast. Andy's always mad I never talk about the other podcasts, so... We talk about POW all the time. We did an episode in March, episode 152. It's called Badventism. Gets the point across. And Caitlin was our guest on that podcast as well. And then me and her just talked about Adventism for about an hour and a half. And it was great. There are definitely some um, repressed trauma. (laughs) The caves! So if you want to know more about that... Plans are optional, episode 152. It was a really good episode. Oh, good. I didn't Ah, listen to it. I think I'm the only one who's listened to all of the POW episodes. Yeah, because you did the Star Wars one. Oh, yeah. I didn't even do the Star Wars one. I was Mm -mm. like, "Mm, I'm out. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I started it and then I was like, "Mm, can't do it. Sorry. I can't. I didn't even start it because it sounded like such a bad idea. That was before my time, folks. It's just the boys on their own having an idea. Anywho, do we have any business? It's business time. Okay. We do have some business. We have finally surpassed 5,000 listens, so yay us. Woo! Oh, wow. Hi, guys. Thank you to our listeners. And also, we have a really nice uptick in our England, Ireland, and Scotland listeners. And I'm wondering if it was because of Alice. Alice Kai Teller, mm-hmm. and we just did yours. What's his butt? Cat scratcher guy. What's his yeah. name? Yeah. Oh, I just listened to that today. William Herbert Wallace. Yes. So yeah. we crossed the pond. We did, and we will cross the pond again in an episode that I am going to put together at some point, where we will have another guest host from POW. Neil agreed to join while we were down in Vegas. I am going to research crimes in the town that he grew up in, in England, and then we won't have to do any bad British accents because Neil can do the good British accent. The British accent. The, yes. It is what it is. That will be fine. I don't know if he remembers he agreed to that because we were drinking a lot. Yeah, was it after that giant margarita that he had? Um, three foot long. 
foot tall. What was it? A hundred ounce? Yeah. Yeah. I think ounce so. margarita. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a lot. I can't remember exactly when it was, but he did say he would do it. And I remember that. So I'm going to hold him to that. Well, speaking of Vegas, we're not going to get into it here. If you want to, you can also listen to the last two episodes of Plans Are Optional to talk about the disaster that my trip to Vegas was. And remember how I pulled the devil card? The devil is Spirit Airlines. Yes. <laughs> Write it down. Yes. Never, ever in a million years. Still waiting for my refund. Negative 10 out of 10. Really? Ugh. Ugh. They're still jerking me around. So I ne- didn't actually get to go to Vegas. And I didn't actually get to meet Meredith. And it was a very sad... Well, actually, you guys had a great time. It was a very sad weekend for me and Marty because we didn't get to go. Uh- <laughs> I will say I was absolutely heartbroken when I got Hannah's text that she was not going to make it. And then this overwhelming anxiety of what the fuck do I do now happened but I pulled up my big girl panties and I went down to Diablo and I met some of the most fascinating and fantastic people and had a really wonderful vacation so thank you Caitlin for putting up with me on your guys's vacation oh no of course it was great to have you I'm so glad I got to meet you I'm bummed I didn't get to meet Hannah but I know I can't believe you got to be Neil got to be Meredith before I did like what the fuck anywho it's fine it's fine we actually have a crossover (laughs) Meredith came on Plans Are Optional last Mm -hmm. week. Oh, yes, I heard. Because me and Marty did a Vegas trash fire episode, but then we brought Meredith on to do, hey, we actually had a good time in Vegas. So you get the full spectrum of emotion. I'm really excited for those episodes. I know they're like, they're kind of behind or Andrew's a little behind on. I wasn't sure what episode he's going to put out today. And I was like, I don't remember this one at all. And I was like, oh, okay. A while ago. (laughs) No worries. It's like the cocktail episode. I loved it. Oh, yeah. Righty. So, tarot pull was prophetic, though. Well, yeah. Not in the way that I thought, but it was bad. Any other business? No, no more business on my part. Well, I have cat corner business. Sweet. I have more information about Morris. Did he get out of timeout? No. <laughs> and his fence climbing abilities. Oh, shit. So, I thought he was, like, using the trash cans to help him, like, park car up to the, uh, the top parkour. of the fence. Parkour! Hardcore parkour! Parkour! <laughs> But uh, I let him go out and I like follow him around the yard and just watch him. And within five minutes, he's like looking up at the fence, wanting to jump on. And for some, somehow, I don't know how, he only has one front leg. He can scabble his way just straight up vertically to the top of the fence. Oh. No fence is safe. He can't go out alone ever again. Aww. He's really, he's really ruined it for himself. Morris. And Wobbles is still chilling. Wobbles is just like, yeah, just chilling on the little piece of concrete outside my sliding glass door, just taking a nap in the heat, like... <laughs> It's so uncomfortable. I don't know why he likes it. I don't know. Like, Donut will bake herself in the sun in the window. And I'm like, you're going to burn your biscuits, man. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, she's a tuxy too. And yeah, it's hot. Yeah. And then she wants to come sit with you and you're like, you're on fire. <laughs> um, Wobbles is like, oh, you're fucking filthy. Because he goes down and like flops and oh, okay. rolls and flops and rolls. And I was like. Oh, thanks, buddy. That's where all the spiders are coming from. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So cats continue to exist and be annoying. Yes. But so cute. I got a whole bunch of new little puncture wounds from Wobbles kneading on my legs. I've been wearing very short shorts. Biscuits. And I had a pap smear yesterday. The doctor asked me what happened. (laughs) (laughs) I did get my pap smear, though, folks. (laughs) That's good. Have you made your dentist appointment? No, I never said I was going to. Well, you should. <laughs> I know, but I. 
I went for a very long time without going to the dentist. I find my teeth don't hurt. There you go. <laughs> There's some questionable moments. I think my gums are too like short, but receding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all teeth. Good thing I had braces. But no, I still have to go get my blood drawn and some other shit. Well, good. You went to the doctor. You got a checkup. I went to the eye doctor. I have a new prescription. I'm taking care of myself like an adult, Good mostly because I'm panicking about losing my health insurance. Ooh, well, there's that. Yeah, gotta get it. I'm having to find a new doctor. I really like my doctor, student health. But oh, I have a do- I have an appointment tomorrow with my psychiatrist. I'm really fucking taking care of myself. Yeah, guys. you are. <laughs> get it, girl. Well, let's go into the reason why I have to go to a psychiatrist. I can tell you the story. <laughs> About Marcus Wesson. Sounds Real good. piece of shit. So finally, I made it to Marcus Wesson. I Yay. hope those people that have been asking for it are, are still here. I hope so too. <laughs> Hi guys. This is also my last hometown slash my high school English teacher's husband's public defender case. So okay. I'm going to talk about Fresno for a little bit just because I this is my last chance. Although I'm sure there are other crimes. Oh, yes. I just, this is the one I know for sure. Ah, right. But real quick, let's start with Marcus Delon Wesson. He was born on August 22nd, 1946, making him a Leo, which actually fits super well because he also thought he was a god. Very prideful, those Leos. Very Leo behavior there, folks. And he's also the worst mass murderer of Fresno, California. Well, there you go. Well. So, Fresno is the largest city in the Central Valley region and the fifth most populous city in California. Uh, Despite living there all my life, I just learned that Fresno is Spanish for ash tree. Oh. Tree? Ash tree. (laughs) (laughs) Just clarifying. <laughs> I, I, I knew when I said that I wasn't doing it re- good, but whatever. <laughs> so, well, I was never going to learn Spanish and it just keeps coming in, but whatever. Fresno overall is pretty meh, but it's in a good location. It's close to a lot of things. You can get out of there pretty easily. Marcus Wesson's family did not get out, but mine did. And uh, to the east, about 60 miles away, you have Yosemite National Park, Sierra National Forest, Kings Canyon National Park. Sequoia National Park, and so I spent a lot of my time as a child in those parks camping with my dad. Cool. And then two hours to the west, you got the Central Coast, so you don't have to stay in Fresno. You can get out. (laughs) (laughs) So, Fresno sits on the native land of the Yukuts and the Miwok people, and then this took me down a little um, a little side hole. Side hole? About Aventus Summer Camp. So, uh... Ooh! Uh, so I... Hearing the name Miwok reminds Reminded me of a childhood memory because I used to go to an Adventist summer camp when I was a kid, and I seem to remember that all of the cabins were named after Indian tribes. And looking at that now, it seems like not a good look. A little problematic. Yeah. Seems a little like cultural misappropriation, and I looked at a current map, and they still have all the same names, as well as longhouses, which I have stayed in the longhouse one summer, and it's just a bunkhouse. So, Camp Wawoda, get your shit together. I did have a great time as a kid, though. Did you go to Adventist summer camp? I did. There's one up in North Idaho called Camp Mybidin. And Mm -hmm. it's right on one of the lakes up here. And I loved it. It was such a blast. Like, summer camp was so fun. It was so fun. But whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So fun. Such indoctrination. Whatever. Yeah, you know, a little bit bit of that. A little playing in the lake. A little indoctrination. You know, a little this, a little that. (laughs) Eh, It all comes together. (laughs) 
I don't remember most of it. Like, I don't remember most things, so it must not have been that bad. Alrighty, so Fresno is now the third largest majority Hispanic city in the, the United States. 50.5% of the population identified as Hispanic in 2020. It also is one of the two largest urban ethnic communities of the Hmong people in the United States. And coincidentally, my parents moved to the other one, which is Minneapolis-St. Paul. Huh. Oh, and I will say I had a job in high school. I worked in a blood lab and my job was to just yell out your name when it was your turn to come get your blood drawn. Like Andy said earlier, I am kind of loud. <laughs> Those long names really tripped me up. Let me tell you what. <laughs> but the very fucking worst person was obviously an old white person. I'd never seen this name before. I never heard it said out loud, so I said Majori really loud when her name was Marjorie, and she yelled at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm 15, ma'am, <laughs> and your name's dumb, and uh, uh, I remember that one distinctly, so I'm going Majori from now on just to spite her. I like it. I like it. Yeah, it made sense to me at the time. My dad used to think Penelope was Penelope. Huh? <laughs> That's a good, you know, it's hard with those words that end in E. Like, do you pronounce the E or not? Yeah. You never know. You never fucking know. I understand. Fresno also had a Chinatown region that must have been named by the Caucasians because it was actually Japanese people, not Chinese people. (laughs) Terrible. Uh, yeah, and then it got worse because it kind of fell apart during World War II because there was a staging camp in Fresno for the internment camps. Okay. But I'm just going to, since I can, I'm going to shout out one of the few Japanese-American businesses that still remain. Central Fish Company, where we always bought our Christmas fish. Fucking great. Nice and fresh. Go get some uh, tempura. You'll love yourself. Christmas fish? Uh, Yeah, my dad always barbecued fish as a Christmas dinner. That's nice. I like that. I love it. Because I don't really like meat very much, but give me some salmon and I'll go all day. Love a good salmon. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. You should go to Central Fish Company. All right. I mean, don't make the trip to Fresno for that, but, you know, <laughs> if you're there. You just happen to be nearby, you know. Store <laughs> yeah, that out there. All right. So on the list of famous people from Fresno, it's mostly a lot of athletes. Eh, whatever. Probably the most famous person from Fresno is Chris Colfer, who played Kurt Hummel on Glee. And then secondly was Kevin Federline, who was Britney Spears' ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> Number one would be you, Han. I'm not on the Wikipedia page of famous people from Fresno yet. I can add that on there, though. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, my God. Love it. All right. I am number one. (laughs) Well, actually, let me tell you about my personal favorite famous person from Fresno. His name is David Phillips, and I kind of see myself in him, and I think he's amazing. So he's listed as an entrepreneur in Wikipedia, but he did actually have a real job working as the Associated Vice President of Energy and Sustainability at University of California Office of the President. So he had a real job, but he was an entrepreneur in the way that he took advantage of a frequent flyer promotion that was run by Healthy Choice in the late 90s. Okay. Just the way that he gets fixated on this one thing and just doesn't let go. I love him. So in 1999, Healthy Choice was running a promotion. It offered 500 miles for every pack of 10 Healthy Choice barcodes. You can buy whatever you want, send the barcodes in. David did the math. He was like an engineer and he figured that the return for barcode, you get a dollar back. And that's not too bad because the frozen meals were about $2 at the time. So, you know, the return was not bad at all. Okay. Not even 
better for him. He found Healthy Choice Soup that was selling for 90 cents. And then he lost his goddamn mind when he found individual pudding packages selling for 25 cents each. And so (laughs) David went all in and purchased all of the pudding packs from grocery outlets in the Sacramento area. Uh, He even managed to get the manager to order more pudding packs for him and didn't want to give away the game that he was playing for points. So he just said he was a Y2K prepper. (laughs) He became known as the put-in guy, and he accumulated 12,150 individual servings of pudding. 12,150? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And then this promotion also included an early bird bonus if you sent the barcodes in before the end of May 1999, because they would double the mileage, so you get 1,000 miles for every 10 barcodes submitted versus 500. Okay. David was in a bit of a time crunch. He did have more than 12,000 boxes of pudding. And so um, he recruited members of the local Salvation Army branch to help him cut out the codes. And in exchange, he donated all of his pudding to the Salvation Army. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's amazing. he got an $815 write-off, tax write-off in the process, too. Oh, Oh my God. That's amazing. And so he made it before the deadline, and he ended up being awarded 1,253,000 frequent flyer miles that are still accumulating to this day. Holy fuck. This is the single-minded bullshit that I could see my... If I found that pudding, I'd be in it for life, man. I respect this, David. <laughs> that is incredible. None of my ventures that were paid off, but um, I'm still working on Spirit Airlines, but this man was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, amazing. Fresno breeds ingenuity. <laughs> and then lastly, this is for my dad, who doesn't listen. Warren Zevon is also on the famous person from Fresno list, but a bit of a weak claim because he was actually born in Chicago and didn't move to Fresno until his teens. But Fresno has got to grab what they can. Okay. All right. Have I been stalling a bit? Yes. A little bit because it's <laughs> icky. But also, yes. I'm still trying to find where I can edit the Fresno Wikipedia page for fame notable people. Well, I found it. So it's a separate Wikipedia page and it's yeah. a list of people from Fresno. Yeah. So I'm going to edit that. Love it. That's awesome. All right. So, yes, I have been stalling. That was some fun facts, but I'm done now and I'll get into the real story of this episode. But uh, trigger warning up front there is a lot of incest. Ew. A lot. And I will say, Caitlin, I didn't know the background of the story too much. I thought there was more Seventh-day Adventism, and there's not, but it's fine. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just just be here. (laughs) All right. So, Marcus Wesson R. Leo was born August 22nd, 1946 in Kansas to Benjamin, who was a violent and abusive alcoholic, and Carrie, who was a religious fanatic. And Carrie's drug of choice was the Seventh-day Adventist church. And so Marcus Wesson was actually raised in that environment. Wow, what a combo. It was weird. Yeah, and as an adult, he would develop a, a lot of weird religious beliefs that are only like tangentially at best related to the SDA beliefs. But I was a senior at, at a Adventist high school. And this is all we fucking talked about. <laughs> And how, what a, what a bad face it put on the church and everything. And now I read it now, I'm like, this isn't Adventism at all, but whatever. Sort of like how David Koresh is Adventist. Yep, yep. So we got, we didn't, we got distracted by the real issue. (laughs) Marcus was a quiet child whose favorite game was playing preacher. Don't like it? No. 
and he would carry that into his adulthood. I already don't like him. I hate him. Well, we'll give him one moment of maybe pity. It is alleged that his father molested him and his siblings, but no one ever came right out and said that. Marcus's father did leave the family to carry on an affair with a male cousin and then showed back up 10 years later as if nothing had happened. So weird. Okay. Not super Adventist, I'll say, but... No. But he wasn't the Adventist. Carrie was. And I guess Carrie took him back. And we just never discussed that 10-year homosexual interlude ever again. With his own cousin? With his own cousin. Huh. A lot of things to question here. Well, I guess if they're not procreating, it does it does it really matter? Because that's the whole... They're, it's not leading to any like weird like offspring. I know. I think it's fine, but it's I would consensual. also... consensual? <laughs> I mean, support your family a little bit. Oh, well, like, that, yeah, that's terrible. I think you're right. The cousin thing is more of a, you just don't want weird genetics. Follow your heart. Not too far. <laughs> as for a job, Wesson had a short stint in the army as an orderly and an ambulance driver, but he was discharged in 1968. Uh, he quickly took up with a married woman named Rosemary Maturena. Rosemary was almost 15 years older than Wesson and had several children. Rosemary and Wesson would have one child together named Adair, but Wesson's interest would shift to Rosemary's eight-year-old daughter, Elizabeth. No. And in 1974, he started sexually abusing her. No, no, no. And when Elizabeth was 14 and Wesson was 27, they were quietly, quote unquote, married in unofficial home ceremony. And she would stay with him for the rest of this entire thing. And to make it even weirder, for a bit, this couple shared the house with Rosemary, her mother. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, it got weird. They moved out. Luckily for Adair, the Wesson's oldest son, he got left behind with Rosemary. And honestly, a blessing in disguise for that kid. But living arrangements would be rough and included a shack without running water and electricity. They lived on a tugboat for a while and sometimes in an army tent in the woods. So they were just drifting. And the reason that their living situation was so rough was because Wesson believed that the head of the household did not work, which (laughs) just seems completely opposite to what the um, head of the household is supposed to do, but it's not even yeah. his weirdest belief. But he he was stuck on he was stuck on this one hard. I don't worry. Well, I guess his father didn't really work, so maybe that's where he got it from. It's when you use your like faith to sort of justify your own sort of narcissism. I know, but I'm just like pretty sure the Bible they wanted men yeah. to be hard workers <laughs> six <laughs> like, days of the week. Uh, yeah, you only get one break. So I don't know where he got this one, but he stuck to it. And so they had to live off Elizabeth's welfare check until the children were older and able to get jobs. And then the children had to turn their paycheck right over to Wes and, and he would buy things. Quick time out. It's not going to let me add you ah. because it says <laughs> I can't because I don't have reputable sources. I mean, I could come up with some, but... You just put the website? I can preview. I'm going to preview and take a picture of this. And then Do we'll that. Add. Yeah, yeah. I just put the first few letters of your last name, though. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Elizabeth and Wesson would have 10 children together. One infant son would die from meningitis. Honestly, he may be a blessing in disguise as well. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth's sister, Solorio, was struggling with drug addiction, and so she had seven children that were being neglected when they weren't being molested. So, Solorio asked her sister, Elizabeth, to take in the children, and the children were very excited to be moving someplace where they thought they would be safe. Oh. And, um... But no. 
No, Marcus Wesson would go on to marry three of them. Oh, Jesus. Ruby Ortez, Rosa, and Sophina. So, Wesson kept his family isolated from the rest of the world and homeschooled them. Makes sense. You gotta deprive them of everything. Yeah. Homeschooling mostly consisted of drawing pictures and coloring. And then Wesson would play preacher and tell them about all his weird beliefs. And one day, I guess this is kind of similar to what 9-11 was for us, but one day class was um, gathering on the television set and watching the mayhem that was going on in Waco, Texas. Ah, so. Mm. <laughs> and so we already brought this man up, but Marcus Wesson identified very strongly with David Koresh and told his children they are training to be the strongest soldiers to follow the example of the Branch Davidians. And he Hmm. would also tell his children that if the government ever started to bother them, they would commit murder-suicide. Oh, God. Wow. Wesson also believed that having as many children as possible was ordained by God, and at the second coming, the more children you could turn over to God, the greater your reward. Also not a Seventh-day Adventist belief. Sounds kind of Mormon. Yeah. It seems more Mormon. He didn't say anything about getting his own planet, but <laughs> he's just pulling weird things. Yeah. Pick and choose. Yeah. I'm going to have as many children as possible, but I'm not going to have a job. Lovely. Right. So he did take that very seriously and not only was married to Elizabeth, three of his nieces, he also married two of his daughters, Ugh. Kiani and Sabrina. Mm. And all five would eventually get pregnant. Oh. And so they were completely isolated, and Wesson continued to emphasize to his family that his word was law, he should never be questioned, and the family should stay silent and obey. This included in the matter of food, where at times Wesson would eat fast food while forcing his family to scavenge dumpsters for scraps. And at another time, he put the whole family, except for himself, on a sugar-free diet made up primarily of pinto beans and vegetables and stale bread, which almost does sound kind of Adventist. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) They, notorious vegetarians, really like beans. Really do. (laughs) And I I do too, but not that much. Alrighty. He also dictated their clothing choices. Unsurprisingly, he wanted his daughters to dress in a modest manner. So they would wear long sleeve shirts, ankle length skirts, and head scarves. This also served a secondary purpose of keeping any bruises hidden. Yeah. Yep, you don't see anything. Let's wrap it up with the worst. He also believed that as the head of the family, it was his duty to teach his daughters how to perform sexual acts which would be pleasing for their future husbands. I thought he was their husband. He only married, quote-unquote, two of his daughters, but he would start in this instruction once the girls were about eight or nine. Aww. Are you fucking kidding me? He likes that age. That's when he, like, started hanging out with Elizabeth, his oh, first wife. Oh, God. That's absolutely fucking disgusting. It's, yeah, this man is a monster. In a very clear example of projection, he also became very paranoid that the other males in the house, who were his sons... Mm. Oh, fuck were becoming attracted to the females who were their sisters. Mm-hmm. They probably weren't, but Wesson would write a 14-page document entitled The House of Elizabeth, in which he stated that he set his sons free and ordered them to stay away from the women in the house. The House of Elizabeth ended by saying, quote, Get a life! Find your own woman as God has commanded! Uh... And then he would separate his family and keep the males in one part of the house and all the females in another part of the house. 
and he's the only person that could go between. It seemed like he had no great love for his sons and mostly considered them romantic rivals, and he would encourage them to leave the house as soon as they could support themselves. Okay. And it's not clear how much they knew about what was happening in the female side of the house. It was just a weird situation. And also, it's yeah. probably like that's all they knew. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's all sorts of fucked up. Yeah, they're so isolated from everything. They probably thought it was normal. It's just such a not a good thing to plant in a developing mind that you should be attracted to your sisters. Mm. Like, ah, uh, it's all bad. He also didn't restrain himself to just sexual abuse. He was also fine with physical abuse. And so his son, Serafino, told of a time where he endured 30 consecutive days of beatings for the absolutely horrific offense of sneaking a spoonful of peanut butter. Oh my god. Wow. They're starving to death. They're starving to death. And he gets beat for 30 days. 30 days. With a baseball bat (gasps) wrapped in duct tape. Oh my god. Uh, Jesus. Probably so that it couldn't break the bones, but he could, yeah. Mm-hmm. I told you guys, this is not going to be good. His female children were, you know, even more cut off than his male children. Mm-hmm. And Wesson did not want his daughters to leave the house and go move out on their own. He would let them have jobs, but they would have to give their entire paychecks to him. Well, I mean, he's not working. He needs to Yeah. <laughs> he does need them. He needs to uh, support that fast food habit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> He would also make time for girl talks, Mm. which were private meetings with his daughters where he would warn them to stay away from boys. And he would say that the boys only wanted to use them and also told them to keep a distance from police officers because police officers were servants of the devil, which is getting a little closer. (laughs) It's getting a little uncomfortably (laughs) close to the truth in some cases. But um, well, he's teaching them at a very young age that even if they wanted to seek help that oh yeah it's not it's, there yeah it's dangerous and yeah that's wow. so fucking sick the family was instructed to refer to wesson as master or lord fuck off yep and if they were what wesson considered to be disrespectful they were told to bow before their master no thanks this- No thanks. Well, let me no thanks harder for this next sentence. It was considered an honor to be asked to scratch his armpits (laughs) or take care of his dreadlocks and his dreadlocks fucking disgusting. I have nothing against dreadlocks, but these ones are fucking disgusting. And we'll come back to the dreadlocks. Okay. I would assume they didn't really take that good care of his dreadlocks, but he probably... I don't know. He's stupid. Okay. So Wesson had solidified his religious beliefs as well, which basically said that he was God and uh, was also heavily, heavily influenced by vampirism. And so the children were already wearing all black. And then he would also encourage them to use baby powder to widen their faces and bright red lipstick for effect. Common family activity was watching vampire movies together. Did it say which ones? It did not. Okay. 1999. I'm looking that up now. Interview okay, look with it up. a vampire. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Well, Wesson started naming his future children with vampire-ish names, and he also bestowed a vampire name onto himself. I'm going to stumble on this one, but it's not a real word, so who cares? G-Vam-Marks-Aspire was his vampire name. A combination of Jesus, vampire, and his first name. That's stupid. It's so stupid. Wow. From Dust Till Dawn 2. Mm. All right. I don't know if that's what they were watching, but that was one of the big ones that came out that year. There was definitely some stuff. 
a back catalog of vampire movies. I oh, if I watched yeah, Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer or if that was considered like <laughs> sacrilegious. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you get into like really weird territory when you're mixing like fundamental religion with <laughs> like vampires. It's like, I don't oh, really know. Like, what you're lame. I don't, know the ans- <laughs> I don't know the answer to any of these questions. <laughs> it actually might be in this book that he wrote. Uh, he was divinely oh, no. inspired sure. and wrote a religious book called In the Night of the light for the dark it was rejected by a new york publishing house in 2002 which i just like the audacity to fucking send that that's yeah. a leo trait the audacity mm-hmm. <laughs> but this didn't deter wesson from using it in his home and so the vampire religion stressed that quote in incest one produces the seed of perfection of oneself ew yes incorrect strongly false. We figure this one's real wrong. <laughs> Wesley would preach at his family from this book, and so if anyone started to question the loving sessions, which is what the entire family referred to these as, <sighs> Wesley would be prepared with scripture to back himself up. <sighs> he was their vampire king, after all. Oh, God. I can Ugh. see why the Seventh-day Adventists were concerned about having their like name even mentioned with this. Yeah, it's a little like, mm, that's kind of not what we're about, though. <laughs> <laughs> we like beans, that's all. <laughs> yeah, dude, and like, we are in the book The Four Cults of America, but like, we're not this weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Sophita, who was Wesson's niece slash wife, tried to leave the family multiple times. She met a man at her catering job and they began a physical relationship. She kept the relationship a secret, but began discussing uh, moving out of the house with Marcus Wesson. At first, Wesson seemed to be fine with it, as long as she would leave her son, Jonathan, behind for the family to raise. But he didn't even like the boys. Yeah, it's just like a power move. It's yeah. a power move. Yeah. It's a power move. Ugh. Yeah, and just like another mouth to feed. Well, he was not that fine with it. Uh, one day, as they were in a car together, Wesson began accusing her of having an affair. So even talking to a boy was considered to be a form of cheating. It's not clear how Wesson found out about this affair, but the girls were encouraged to spy on each other and Aww. report back to... I know. He even like was driving them against each other. Yeah. Of course. It's a competition yeah. for his love. Yeah, and they can't band together for support because that would weaken his control. Wow. Sophia started crying and panicking and she admitted, yes, she was in a relationship with another man. And before she could even blink, Wesson stabbed her in the chest <gasps> with a knife. Mm-hmm. So he just had that at the ready? He was prepared for this conversation. <gasps> he already knew the answer to it. So he fully oh, knew what was going to happen. It didn't matter what the answer was. He was going to stab her to the chest. And he told her that he hoped that she was ready to meet God. I thought he was God, though. I don't know. Him, so it, it got confusing. A moot point there, Buckface. It's confusing when you create your own religion. Yeah. Sophia said that she was not. She begged for her life and she moved back in with him. Aww. Oh, so she survived. Yes. There's no indication that she ever got medical treatment for her chest wound. Oh, God. Oh, shit. I bet they never went to the doctor. They never. I mean, how could they? Well, yeah. How did they have the kids? They had to have them at home, I guess. Yeah. Because, like, you can't bring a 14-year-old into a hospital that's pregnant. No. Mm-mm. They must have just... And keep the kid. Ugh. It was... Yeah. Mm. So, yes. Very unlikely she got medical treatment, but she did have a scar, which she was able to show during the trial. 
All right. In 2003, the Wessons finally moved into a real house with electricity and running water. Oh, I know. Located on Hammond Avenue in Fresno, California. I have no idea where that is. It was only a thousand square feet, so it was a bit crowded. With how many people? There's like a hundred of them now. I can't even keep track of this. It's so complicated. I'm not even sure whose kid is whose. Like, yeah, it's just like, I have no idea. Yeah. I would say probably at least 12 people. And that's probably a low estimate. Wow. Hammond Avenue is near the O'Reilly Auto Parts store. I was like, well, there's probably more (laughs) than one. Uh (laughs) It is just off of the North Golden State Boulevard and West Olive Avenue. Oh, God. I'm going to map this out because that might actually might be close to my house. Oh. Oh, my God. I'm There is a Riley Auto Park. Oh, God. Okay. I'll look at this later. <laughs> Anywho, at this point, the older boys had moved out, as had two of Wesson's nieces slash wives. So, Ruby and Sophina. Sophina finally moved out. Good for them. And Ruby would as well. Well, they had been allowed to move out under the condition that they leave their children behind. Oh. And they did. The neighbors were a bit weirded out by their new neighbors. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. how can you not? He would preach at his neighbors as well, telling them how he didn't believe that he had to work. God would provide. No, it's all of your children and children's wow. children. and Also, he's God. He's very confused. He's not providing shit. Not a thing. So he is God, but he has a God. Yes. Well, he's the vampire god, and then there's, like, the god god. Yeah, there might be a whole system of gods, like the great gods or something. What a way to, like, flag yourself to your neighbors and get them to, like... Google a picture of him right now, and imagine that man moving into your neighborhood. And the neighbors could recognize Wesson, and they had a vague count of the number of other women living in the house, but they had no idea how any of the people were related. Nobody does at this point. Yeah, it's just a mess. When the girls were allowed out, they would wear dark robes and walk behind them with their heads down. One neighbor would say that they acted like slaves and, quote, had pegged him as some sort of Jonestown cult. Fair enough. Which we knew we did very badly, but I guess we just ignored it. Another neighbor would say, quote, I only saw the older women. They would drive by and they would glance down. They did not want to look at you. They've been programmed not to. Oh, yeah, they can't. They'll get beaten. Okay. And in what will remain a mystery, the neighbor would also report that several times a week the Wessons would cook something that had an absolutely terrible odor and quote it smelled real ugly everybody complained but we never thought anything about it uh end quote no idea what that was that never got figured out but oh okay uh, but it was bad enough for the neighbors to remember and like it be a fact of the neighborhood that two to three times a week you're gonna smell this awful smell I was going to say, like, cabbage emits a pretty gnarly smell when you boil it. I feel like people but, know what like, cabbage smells like, though. I was thinking vermin. Okay. Oh. For some sort of protein. Yeah, because he really... He's at... He's at McDonald's. Okay, he's at McDonald's, and they're like, we're starving, and then they find something yeah, to cook. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I'm like, mystery. All right, so, as I just told you to Google him, he was also a physically imposing person. He weighed almost 400 pounds Ooh. and had unkempt dreadlocks that reached down to his ankles. Yeah, nasty. They were described as, quote, one big, long, greasy dreadlock. It was just coated in dirt and oil. Steve. 
And an inside source would also relate that he admitted a strong body odor, which not super surprising. No, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked at all. Because they lived in like tents and stuff, so they probably just weren't used to bathing. And oh, even yeah. if they had the house, mm-hmm. it's just probably not a thing. There was water, but like there's so many of them too, like to take care of. But so none of the neighbors ever saw the inside of the house. So they missed the fact that it was full of coffins. <gasps> what? What? Is that like the vampire thing? They all slept in coffins? Not necessarily in them, but maybe on top of them. And so there were 10 unique antique larger than normal caskets. And then Wesleyman say that he planned to use that casket wood for furniture. May or may not be true, but I think he really liked the spookiness vampire vibe that it all brought to it. Sure. It doesn't seem like they were purchased in preparation of a mass burial, though. Well, like, how do you even purchase them when you don't have a fucking job? On layaway, actually. Are you fucking kidding me? I know the answer. Uh, Yeah. Huh. It's not Mervyn's, folks. Like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't know if you guys are maybe too young. Oh, God, no. I remember Mervyn's. Okay. So children would sleep on top of the coffins because there was such limited space inside the house. I don't think anyone slept in the coffin. I mean, I know it's creepy, but I feel like inside would be more comfortable. (laughs) It does feel like it'd be more comfortable. You could put a pillow in now. Yeah, it's like lined and cushy. Yeah, I don't know. Have they been used? Yeah. Were they used ones? Like on surplus? (gasps) Oh, no. Wait, but if they're used, theoretically, they should still be like in the ground. Yeah, I guess so. If you're not a shady cemetery. Oh my god. Oh my god. Who sells coffins on layaway? Wow. Yeah. Like, I got one for you. I'll go ahead and take your payment plan because I got to dig it back up. Jesus fucking Christ. There's shady fucking people who do weird shit like that. Wow. This does halfway remind me of another story I told. I forgot who it was, but it was one of the black widows who, like, bought a coffin and taunted her, like, third husband with it. Oh, yeah. And then he did get buried in that coffin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Who was that? I don't remember now, but, uh, well, you know, kudos if anyone could figure that out. So, anyway, it gives more of a vampire vibe, not a preparation vibe. And he doesn't like to work, so I don't know why he would make furniture, which is hard. Yeah. But he also bought a school bus that he was converting to a camper. Mm-hmm. Sure. Of course, he painted it black. I don't love that he's a lot of the same aesthetic as I do. <laughs> do you have coffins in your living room also? Not yet, but like if I saw a really cool one, maybe <laughs> I'd buy it. The idea of it doesn't like disturb me. It's like, maybe I gotta go. Ten seems excessive. Was that Evelyn Dick? I don't think Evelyn Dick was mine. Was that Sarah's? It might have been, um... Oh yeah, Dick fuck. Dick. That was Sarah's. I cannot remember her name to save my life. The Polish woman. Oh, Tilly. Tilly. I think it was Tilly. It was Tilly. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 38. Great episode, guys. Let me toot my own horn some more. Toot toot. Toot toot. Train time. Bus time. He would only work on the bus at night with one of the girls holding a flashlight for him. The oddest thing about the bus was that he installed a hot tub inside. Never explained that decision either. I mean, but why not, though? I guess. Yeah. Where did he get the hot tub? Maybe layaway. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like that's got to be Maybe it's a really... coffin turned into a hot tub. Is that, like, too heavy for the bus? Like, it seems... How does it... And that's so much water sloshing around. Yeah. But I guess they have those, like, limos with, like, hot tubs in the back, you that's know? That's true. true. 
But I don't believe in Marcus Wesson's like building abilities, right? Because you think there, it's like those are like designed to have it. But if you're taking like an old school bus, that is not designed to have just like a yeah. random hot tub just like sat in it, huh? I am imagining an old ass bus and like some rickety hot tub he found on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that say free on them. Free because it's too much trouble to take them to the dump. Yep. Listen to a plans are optional episode where Tom talks about uh, (laughs) destroying his hot tub. Anyway, so he did get somewhere on this bus, at least. So in May 2004, the city of Fresno found that the building that the Wessons were using as a house was zoned for commercial use only. So they were served an eviction notice. But they had, like, neighbors that were yeah. in regular houses? I guess. Huh. I'll have to look at this neighborhood again so I can try to see what it is. And now, having watched Worst Roommate Ever, the documentary on Netflix mm-hmm. about squatters, this seems untrue, but the family was told they had to vacate within a week. They probably probably could have stayed indefinitely if it's like a public domain type thing where they're like trying to take an area like if they were going to put an off-ramp for the highway or something like that like they could maybe but condemn it and take it yeah i think that like maybe not then but i feel like especially in california like there's laws protecting renters yeah they were were they renting or were they squatting i don't know Mm. well i i think they were paying for it from his daughter's paycheck sure wow this might have been their first like real home they paid for but even a week a week seems extremely short yeah for an eviction notice you usually get at least a month anyway the family had to vacate within a week which was fine they had the bus and planned to move up to washington state oh to see you (laughs) you stay your ass down in fresno (laughs) we've got enough Uh, bullshit going on. well there's already lessons up in washington state because that's where his parents lived oh where did it say where it didn't all right so ruby and sofina were afraid that they would never see their children again if Wesson was able to take them on the road. Yeah. Legitimate fear. So on March 12, 2004, they, along with a few other extended family members, showed up at the Wesson house. At 12.13 p.m., the police were called to the house for a domestic disturbance and were met with a large mob of people when they arrived at 2.23 p.m. Ruby and Sophina said that they had come over that day to get their children back and that Wesson was refusing to do so as they had quote-unquote given their children to him. Ruby and Sophina had come prepared with their children's passports and birth certificates. Good for them. Uh-huh. And Wesson always instructed them to leave the space for father's name blank to avoid awkward questions. So he had no legitimate claim. He had no legitimate claim. Unless there's like a paternity test, but... But still. None that raises all sorts of questions. I don't think he wants that at all. <laughs> and so, like... The mothers seem to be the rightful custodians of these children. Things got a little weird here. I'm not exactly sure what the police were thinking. So Officer Nelson was the first officer to arrive at the scene. He first attempted to reason with Wesson about whether the women had given him their children, saying, Mm -hmm. quote, word of mouth? A handshake? That doesn't cut it. I'm telling you, the courts have to be involved. Yeah. It's like talking to a wall. So he decided to call his superior, Patrick Jackson. And so Sergeant Jackson listened to both sides and concluded the best thing to do right now was to call Child Protective Services and have them take custody of the two children in question until the main parties had sorted this out. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, he also asked if there were any more children in the house. And if so, those children will most likely be taken into custody with Child Protective Services as well. 
I still don't 100% know why they didn't get the kids to the mom, but... Yeah. Oh, this next paragraph will say that Oliver Stone Nelson was a bit of a jerk, but let's go. During the commotion, Wesson slipped back inside the house. When Ruby noticed that he had disappeared, she begged the police officers to get the children out of the house before something bad happened. Officer Nelson replied, quote, Okay, eight years ago, you made a big mistake. Okay. Sir. Uh, like, fuck off. Sir. Yeah. Also, eight years ago? How old was she eight years ago? Like, eight. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. Jeez. Fuck off. So, Wesson had shut himself in the southeast bedroom, where several of his children had already assembled. And Ruby would say that she saw her cousin, Kiani, inside the house, and it looked like she was pushing a table against the closed bedroom door. The police evacuated the rest of the house, surrounded the home, and waited for a SWAT team and a crisis negotiator team. The standoff continued for 80 minutes. Less of a standoff, more of a watch-off. Mm-hmm because nothing was really happening. Police officers would deny hearing any gunshots during this time, while Ruby and Safina and two other family members would report they heard two gunshots at 3.47 p.m. After this 80-minute standoff, Wesson would surrender very peacefully, because, of course, part of the family's murder-suicide pact had included the provision that Wesson himself would remain behind to explain to the world why the children had to die. Of fucking course. Of fucking course. Mm-hmm. Ugh. All right. As he was being handcuffed, police officers noticed that Wesson's clothes were soaked in blood. Mm. He did not appear to be injured, so the source of blood had to be from somewhere else. The source of blood was quickly identified to be from the pile of nine bodies in the back uh. bedroom. The scene was so horrific that several of the law enforcement officers went on administrative leave and or started counseling. Oh, yeah. Who probably were a bit more sensitive than Officer Nelson. It would take several days to identify all the bodies. Each victim had been killed with a twenty-two caliber semi-automatic and all shot through the eye. Oh my god. Uh, Local funeral homes would offer their services pro bono, and Ruby and Sofina would choose to bury their deceased children in a different graveyard than the other victims. Mm -hmm. Right, I have a list here. So the nine victims were... Sabrina April Wesson, age 25, daughter of Marcus Wesson. Elizabeth Briahi Kina Wesson, age 17, daughter. Illabel Carey Wesson, age 8, daughter slash granddaughter. Mm. Aviv Dominique Wesson, age 7, daughter slash granddaughter. Oh my god. Jonathan St. Charles Wesson, age 7, son, great nephew. Ethan St. Laurent Wesson, age 4, Son, great nephew. Oh my god. Marche St. Christopher Wesson, age one. Son, Aww. grandson. Jiva St. Vladin Spirpri Wesson, age one. Son, Aww. grandson. And Sedona Vadra Wesson, age one, daughter, grandniece. Oh my god. Wow. They're all just babies. They were such babies. And like three of them, great nephew, great nephew, great niece, like those were Ruby and Sofina's children. Oh. And they're there. They are definitely there. He just didn't <sighs> want to give them to him. Oh. Wesson was charged with nine counts of first degree murder and 14 counts of sexual abuse. Although he didn't want a public defender, he would be assigned to Pete Jones, my English teacher's husband. Okay. And Ralph Torres. And Pete's like, fuck. <laughs> he may have been the inside source that did not enjoy being in a cell with him. I bet not. 
The main reason that Wesson did not want a defense attorney is because he did not want to plead insanity. And insanity would not be the direction which the defense would go. It would take quite a while to select a jury due to the notoriety of the crime. And because many of the jurors asked to be excused because they were terrified to be in the same room as the defendant. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, just that gross and imposing. Mm-hmm. Once a jury was impaneled, the defense would argue that it was actually Sabrina, Wesson's 25-year-old daughter, who was the one that committed the murders and then committed suicide. The gun was found under her body, and the DNA found on the gun matched Sabrina. And the coroner would estimate that both Sabrina and Elizabeth, so like his like first set generation daughters, died approximately one hour after the seven children. And oh Wesson, Marcus Wesson, had been tested for gunshot residue and and was negative. And I personally think that this is probably what happened, but and the jury agreed. Uh, they did decline to find that Wesson fired the fatal shots. But the prosecutor explained to the jury even if Wesson didn't physically pull the trigger, he could still be found guilty of first-degree murder due to that lifetime of grooming. Oh, yeah. For sure. So the jury would deliberate for a week and a half before coming back with a unanimous verdict, finding Wesson guilty of all nine counts of murder and all the sexual abuse charges. Good. One thing that I never really found an answer to is the fact that either there were no gunshots or only two gunshots. Yeah, maybe just heard you know maybe a shot yeah, through, like a pillow or something i don't maybe. know i don't know but it's just like hmm, weird all right about a week later the penalty phase of the trial took place it only took the jury a couple hours to deliberate and on june 27th 2005 wesson was sentenced to death for all nine counts he is currently on death row in san quentin state prison which is where he'll stay for a while because they did the whatchamacallit the moratorium moratorium Yes, he's also not a model prisoner. While he was in the county jail during the trial period, he would spend most of his time masturbating and then rubbing his semen into his long dreadlock. Oh my Ew. god. So he thought it couldn't get worse. It did. It did. Oh. Apparently dreadlocks are not allowed on death row. I don't know, but so his dreadlocks have been removed, but I expect he still spends a lot of time masturbating. Ugh. During the trial, he would sit at the defense table, doodling on a yellow legal pad and sometimes pretending to play an imaginary piano. Not crazy, though. Okay. He's not crazy, though. Like, crazy like a fucking fox. He would tell his first wife, Elizabeth, that he was writing a country song about his dead children. Oh, yo. He is kept busy in San Quentin, composing more songs. No. He was hoping that after the trial, his vampire Bible would be returned to him, since it was no longer needed as evidence. He never got that back. Burn it was it. about 1,000 pages. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so shit. No. Yep. Yeah, it's fair to say Marcus Wesson has a vivid imagination, probably lives in his own head a lot, and mm -hmm. might be doing just fine on death row, to be honest. Like, yeah, he's probably not suffering. And if he really thinks he's a vampire, then he wouldn't fear death very much either. Mm-mm. And like Meredith said, in March 2019, the governor of California signed a moratorium on the death penalty. So he's not facing that anymore, but he will never be eligible for parole. He better not fucking ever be eligible. No, that would be like, Californians would revolt. Yeah, I would hope so. We're not that liberal. I mean, because you do hear about not these types of crimes, but you do hear about like overpopulation in, in oh, California yeah. prisons and how like some minor offenses are just like, we're not even going to send you to jail. We're just going to give you 
you know, like time serve basically because we don't have room for you. While I'm 100% here, all weed chargers should be dismissed and they should be released from prison. Yeah, for sure. But like, if you wanted to make room, I think he's the perfect candidate to like (laughs) get the fuck rid of. (laughs) Or you'd at least find a place for him to stay. (laughs) In the ground. That's where he goes. Dead. Yeah, especially because it does seem like he might not really be that punished. Right? He's probably like, this is great because I get three hots and a cut. Right? And, and a I, place to jack off. And I can piece I have of a shit. great imagination. I can be writing another Bible. Uh, yeah, masturbating mm. everywhere. Like, mm. yeah, probably better food than he was eating. And it's Honestly. prison food. So that's yeah. saying a lot. So, a bit unsatisfying conclusion. Mm. But I will say, back to me. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> Since I was going to a Seventh-day Adventist school at the time, like, that area, that angle is, like, all we talked about. Okay. Like I said, people were, like, really worried this would put a black mark on the church and all of this other stuff. But it doesn't seem as if the SDA religion itself had any role here. No, just sort of, like, general fundamentalism in his childhood, maybe. Yes. But... Definitely not the vampires. No, that's a that's a new <laughs> vampires. We um Harry Potter books were banned at my school, so oh, I yeah. doubt. Yeah, I thought va- I doubt vampires are accepted by the no. religion. No, <laughs> but just based on some of the information, it was like he plucked certain things out of different religions. And then wrote his own. Right. And honestly, it doesn't sound like he used the actual Bible very much. No, Mm -hmm. just his vampire Bible. Because a lot of what he's basing stuff off of is just isn't. It's just sort of like general religious-y things, but based off of nothing. Based Mm -hmm. off of nothing. It's so weird. Two of his sons would say that they were raised as Seventh-day Adventists, but they were also pretty limited in their worldview because of their upbringing. So like. Well, yeah, you could have been raised Catholic but told you were raised seventh day yeah and i wouldn't know raised the difference say adventist but like yeah you don't actually know what that's like like i'd like i didn't know i was going to become an apologist for the seventh day adventist religion but i <laughs> i really don't think they're that bad they're very earnest people they're just boring very. Is the main the main part we came to in plans are optional yeah. so they're just fucking boring <laughs> um, but like they're not an evil cult or anything and so it just yeah yeah they're not advocating for any sort of like incest or no like murder suicide things or they even multiple wives no that's not an adventist thing at all yeah. and they really don't advocate too for like having a lot of children no not really no that's not like really a thing it's like people i two. knew had like maybe a brother yeah two yeah. is average and they're very like healthy care focus which i feel like and not and about community and not yeah. so much about isolation like like he he practiced so like, yeah definitely healthcare. listeners may have found themselves in a seven-day adventist hospital yep. but they honestly do a good job of uh, education for that so i feel fine in one of those yeah so karen oswald who was the director of communication for the central california conference of seven-day adventists would say that as far as they could tell marcus wesson was never an official member of the church Fair. he was sda adjacent he's probably never baptized though in the church yeah maybe. can't imagine 
But Adventists don't really baptize children. No, well, you can, like, I think I was, like, 12, but that's how you become a member of the church is through, like, baptism. You have to go through, like, a whole thing. So if he was never baptized in the church, he was never a member. Doesn't mean he didn't go. He might have gone. His mom went all the time. I don't know, yeah, if he ever got baptized. But, like, I do agree with the Adventists on this point. They don't baptize children, like babies, Mm. because... They at least have the illusion of being like, this is a big decision. You're still a little indoctrinated into just doing it. Because I was the only person in sixth grade that did not attend the baptism classes. I got to go outside by myself. (laughs) But, you know, like, makes more sense to me than a baby. Uh, yeah. So his parents were Adventists, like I said. This is fun. In the late 80s and early 90s, he was employed as a janitor at the SoCal campground during the annual Central California Adventist camp meeting. Yeah, camp meeting! Camp meeting! (laughs) Oh, God! (laughs) Which, oh, man, camp meeting, man. Adventist, man. Yeah. Basically a gigantic camping trip for, like, a week and a half. I know I went to a couple with friends. I don't remember a single thing about it besides the SoCal campground was also kind of an old dairy farm. And so we used to climb on top of the roof of like the metal roof of the dairies and then throw cow pies at people. Gross. <laughs> like, like really old dry ones. But like... <laughs> so that's my memory of camp meeting. But camp meeting is like a quintessential Seventh-day Adventist like memory. And so he was there the early late 80s, early 90s, cleaning the bathrooms. Wow. Some of the Weston extended family are members of the Adventist church, which includes Sophina and Ruby. Fine, if that's what they want. And I just gonna throw it out there. It's kind of interesting. Adventism just came up again, like it did with David Koresh in the Branch Davidians. It's like, there is a hint, I think, in it, if you are inclined to take it the right way, to turn it towards fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. But that's not the purpose. That's not what the religion is. That is just warping up the text. It's outliers. Mm-hmm, Adventists yeah. are usually very, are very nice. Don't get us wrong. It has its, you know, flaws. Oh, it has a lot of flaws. <laughs> I'm just like... But, <sighs> yeah, it's not one of those religions that tries to isolate you, control you, if you talk to people who are outside of the community or shunned. Oh, yeah. It's not like that at all. Not at which all. Which is what you get with a lot of those other more, like, fundamentalist cult-type religions. Yeah. The Adventists are about mission and reaching out. Yeah. Which I don't love. No, it's very, like, leave uh, the indigenous people yeah. alone. Or just the poor people alone. <laughs> At least a lot of times they go on health missions and, like, mm-hmm. do dentistry. Man, I am really shilling for the Adventists. You really I are. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this is what was going to happen to me. Listen to the Plans Are Optional episode to hear me, my trauma. <laughs> And about the caves, man. <laughs> Real quick, the Wesson parents lived in Lakewood, Tacoma, University Place area. Ah, fuck Tacoma. My ex lived. All right. Oh, Adventism. It's whatever. <laughs> Saturday's off. Saturday's off. I did actually really like it because Sabbath started at sundown, and so the latest uh, class would be would be 1 p.m. Yep. on a Friday. It was great. Okay. You'd only work till noon on a Friday if you had a job, so you got an early weekend, and it was actually fucking the best. It was great, <laughs> and, like, the homework level was always, like, what you can do in a day. Oh, yeah. So it was, like... <laughs> adjusted around the sabbath yeah it's great but they weren't insane because i this malign like southern i feel like some of the adventist universities required you to go to church oh yeah southern does and that. they would come in the dorm and like kick you out you had to like hide in the closet so you could go back to bed while, while no. we went yeah it was never was, like that 
way more relaxed about it. So, yeah, you know. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Adventism. It's a tidbits. It's unique. I'm still recovering. Yep. I guess. (laughs) But could have been worse. So let me wrap this up and say this was a huge case in Fresno. And it has like so many components that seem like it would be like super newsworthy. And the media outlets would love to tell this story. They didn't. They read it and they were like, no, thanks. Yeah, they were like me. So there was surprising little national media attention on this case. And partially, I think, because of all the incest and child molestation. Yeah, just, it's just t- rough to talk about. It's rough to talk about on the news cycle. And then at the same time, there was another Central California case happening. And so that one, which was the Scott Peterson case, was the one that would dominate the news cycles. And yeah, so- yeah. So maybe I'll do that one at some point, but... Oh, that one's so rough, too. He's got a lot of coverage, but, like, briefly, he was accused of murdering his pregnant wife in Modesto, California, a bigger shithole than Fresno, Mm -hmm. which is, like, hard... I mean, every fucking town on the 99 is a shithole in California. (laughs) That one was the one that really got the news cycle going, because his wife was, like, eight months pregnant at the time. Yeah. Still better than molestation. Like, still easier to talk about, for sure. And then, like, a mistress popped up during the whole investigation. Mm-hmm. Mm. These were like averagely attractive white people, mm-hmm. which may have had something to do with it as well. The Wesson family was black. Anyway, I can see how it's more palatable to talk about murder than incest. Well, and originally, too, it was a missing persons case. Yeah. Because they right. didn't find the body for a while, so there was that air of mystery around it. Like, yeah. you knew what happened with the Wessons within, yeah. like, two mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I didn't think about that. But it's definitely the one that got most information. He is Scott Peterson has a much bigger Wikipedia page, a lot of documentaries. Not, a, I don't know. He might have a prison's pen pal account. So I don't know. <laughs> There's, like, a ton of documentaries about that case as well. And, like, yeah, I don't think there's been a single one about this case and, like, not that much information. So, I mean, I guess it just is what it is. But this definitely had a defining, like, impact on me as, like, a 17-year-old who was also angry and, like, grumpy and angsty at the Adventist church at the same time. So I was kind of like, yeah, bring him fucking down, which was not <laughs> what this was about at all. Right, yes. <laughs> I was way off. All right, so that's Marcus Wesson. Wow. I have some astrology. It is Leo season, and Marcus Wesson was a Leo. I would say, don't be mad, Leos, but this fucking fits. (laughs) (laughs) Out of all the zodiac signs, Leos are the most likely ones to think that they are a god. They're the most prideful. Yes. I don't want to focus too much on Marcus Wesson for this point, so I'm just going to focus on Leo's overall. It is Leo season, so Mm -hmm. it's like a very energetic season after cancer season. And so let's look at some of the pros of Leo is that the sign of Leo is ruled by the sun, and so they carry that bright and powerful energy within them, and they are exuberant, larger than life, like the life of a party. They have a lot of similar characteristics as Aries, but Leos add on to that because they are the performers of the zodiac so they yes. love to entertain they love to be the center of attention they love to shine the brightest and for everyone around them and they're able to because they feel very confident in themselves and they can think quite highly of themselves which <laughs> can veer into a detriment situation but i doubt most leos have imposter syndrome which is all i have <laughs> same <laughs> But, you know, they don't. And they're like, nothing is too good for them. The world opens up for them because why wouldn't it? And so they are 
great to be around. They're funny, they're playful, they're affectionate, and kind of inspire the people around them because they have such a zest for life. Like, mm-hmm. so, like, maybe your more pessimistic Capricorns might uh, remind <laughs> them that, like, you know, there's good things in life, not to take everything too seriously. As a Capricorn, I will say I do not want to hang out with a Leo 24-7. It's exhausting. Exhausting. And so Leos have a canonical extrovert energy mm-hmm. and are rejuvenated by the energy of those around. Yeah. And when you're introverted, you can only take that in small you can't, doses. You can't. Sure. Yeah, it's so much. An unevolved Leo is a train wreck and a night road to be around because oh they're, they're still loud and still exuberant and still trying to perform, but they're not in a good place. And they're a total asshat. Yeah, because one of their major downfalls is pride. Insert your own lion joke. And they will become extremely self-absorbed. <laughs> Sorry, that took, me, that took me a second. <laughs> Delayed reaction. It's, it works. Thank you. <laughs> so, yes, they are self-absorbed, vain, power-hungry. Paradoxically, this increase in pride actually is masking a loss of self-confidence, but they would never want to lose face. And so they'll act in that usual loud, bombastic, exaggerated manner. Pretend nothing's wrong. If it's a Leo, you know you can kind of see the brittleness behind it. And so an unevolved Leo will fall apart if they're not getting the flattery and compliments that they think they deserve. And like, if they're unevolved, they really need the audience to feel complete. They Mm -hmm. can't find it on their own. And so they exaggerate their personalities because they're desperate for love and affection and think this is the only way to get it. But when they're feeling less than confident, they tend to shut down that emotional side. They see it as needy. Capricorns relate. But shutting that down usually pushes people farther away because you lose all your authenticity at that point. You're willing to connect with anybody. And so if you want to be in a relationship with somebody, you need that. And you're just loud. I have no Leo on my chart, but I am loud. (laughs) But like, anyway, it's Leo season. It can be a really fun season, though. Like, shine bright, man. There's a lot of really fun energy. Like, and sun's at its peak right now in the northern hemisphere. So it's perfect time for this. And like, take some of that Leo energy. Try not to feel like a complete loser all the time. Sorry, I'm talking to me, not the listeners. Um, (laughs) I'm talking about imposter syndrome. Like, you know, if you can tell yourself mean things about yourself, you can also tell yourself nice things about yourself. Absolutely. Whether you believe them is a different story, but we'll get into that with my psychiatrist tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, so that's what I have for Leo overall. So just, you know, just have a bright day. Shine bright. Hang out with friends. Be loud. Let yourself be free. Absolutely. I guess I will end this by saying that Marcus Wesson does have a lot of the traits of the unevolved Leo, but he does not have that force of personality that's typified by the side. And so the only way that he was able to exert such control over his family is because he had been grooming them since they were born. Yeah. That's a different thing. That's something completely different. Is that all you had for astrology? I have one thing that's happening this week. And it actually is Mercury entering Virgo. Yes. Which should help my communication. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Thursday, August 4th, Mercury enters Virgo. So Virgo is one of the ruling signs of Mercury. The other one is Gemini. And yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Which 
brings like a playfulness to your communication. Yeah. It's like a, it's a fun time. On the other side of the coin, what Virgo is bringing is clarity to your conversations and your communication. So over the next few weeks, you can expect to communicate with ease to those around you, both in personal and professional contexts. Virgos love details and plans. They're the opposite of plans or options. <laughs> and so like you're nailing it at work. It's also a good time to look inward and start to actually decide decide what are your intentions for like the rest of this year what do you want to accomplish over the next few months and this is not a time to be vague this is a time for a fucking bullet list of actions i've got one big action that i hope to happen at least by may of next year like i know you know i gotta give myself like okay you know a little extra time because i got a lot of shit going on that's fine that is it's fine to fucking meet hannah i know i was like and that, sarah and she's back from massachusetts i know <laughs> at least for the clutches of massachusetts i also have a wedding tt's mm-hmm. wedding is coming up and so i have that but like i'm also trying to like look at like dates where i could just like maybe go down to california because it sounded like oh my god walla walla was like maybe next in a while i don't want to go in winter time i don't like snow mm. so i would like spring or fall would be my preferred time to go to walla walla i need a job mm. so i i can go places I'll, i'm working on it is there a weekend that I could just like fucking sneak down? I have a spare bedroom and a bed. Right? So it would really just be the flight down there. Yeah. I don't know. We'll talk about it. But that's my goal is to meet my girls. That's a good actionable plan. I love it. I'll put that on my list And that's well. also going to be my New Year's resolution if I don't make it work. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Winter fucking sucks. So down here, it's fine, I guess. Well, exactly right. I could go get my toes warm for a little bit. Yeah, get a little sun. Well, I have a couple extra little tidbits for astrology for this week. So this episode is going to air on Monday, August 1st. And on the 1st, Mars in Taurus is going to be conjunct with Uranus in Taurus. And conjunct just means that the planets are in the same sign. And when these planets unite in the very stubborn Taurus, we are (laughs) going to feel the need to just like break free and be totally independent. So Monday, like do your own thing, be your own person and like totally feel that vibe. It'll be a very gratifying day. So not a great day for a job interview (laughs) where you have to confirm, conform. But, I mean, you're aware of it, so maybe you can adjust yeah, for you know, an hour. I've had a couple now. I've had practice. And then on Tuesday, August 2nd, Venus in Cancer is going to be sextile with Uranus and Taurus. And also, Venus in Cancer will be sextile with Mars and Taurus. And these two combinations, these aspects bring us, like, a very nurturing and playful, affectionate feeling for Tuesday for friendships as well as relationships. So it's just going to be kind of a lovey-dovey kind of day. So enjoy Tuesday. I'm going to that one a little bit and just focus on my cats. There you go. It's also friendship. So it doesn't have to be like, and I don't know, when is Sarah back? Probably not for a couple more weeks. Well, shit. (laughs) Yeah. So she's not here for me to go hang out with. I guess go hang out with Kirk. (laughs) Hello, we both miss Sarah. Hello, tall boy. Can you help me with my bioinformatics? Can we have a friend date where we make figures? 
Or you could just play cards or something. Actually, we could play um, pounds. That would be good. And then as Hannah mentioned, Mercury enters Virgo on the 4th. And then on Sunday, August 7th, Venus and Cancer will be trying. And we love a good trine. Caitlin, thank you for completing our trine this week. I know. Sure. <laughs> so helpful. It's so helpful. <laughs> but Venus and Cancer will be trying with Neptune in Pisces, and we are missing our Pisces. So thanks to the sensitive Cancer and the dreamy Pisces. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Who has no time to dream right now. She's so yeah, busy. <laughs> I know. We can't wait for her to like get back so she like can take a nap. Breathe. Work on her own stuff so she can graduate. But this peaceful aspect is going to give us a really perfect day to kind of get lost in our own daydreams and pursue some of our more artistic endeavors. So, you know. That's a good Sunday. That sounds like fun. Like a lazy, lazy Sunday. Just kind of be dreamy. I need to start this embroidery thing. So we'll see. But yeah, that's what I had for astrology this upcoming week. And yeah. Not a bad not a bad week as opposed to this week which i can't remember what the astrology was but this week was fucked yeah and cleanse your palate of this episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's gross one yeah Yeah, it's a bad one i'll have to find something fun to do next for my own sake yeah yeah i don't have no quotes or anything fun like that i totally forgot about that actually too oh morris the mic please oh hi buddy you're so in trouble. I got nothing. Don't be a dick. It's good. I guess. <laughs> Leave your children alone and don't pervert our religion just so you can do whatever the fuck you want. That's not what it's for. Like, honestly, it's probably like, not a lot of people know about Seventh-day Adventists, so I can just say what I want. No, and it's true. That's why it was also like, real like, oh, the Adventists are in the news? And we're all like, oh, shit. <laughs> we're like, of all the goddamn things we could be in the news for. <laughs> it's this motherfucker. There will be no missionary work for him. I don't know who Tierra Wack is, but she says, quote, maybe it's because I am a Leo, end quote. <laughs> oh, that's it? There you go. Leo thing to say, though, to be honest. It's a super Leo uh, thing to say. But yeah, anyways, I think we're good. Thank you again, Caitlin, for joining us this of week. Of course. For- thank yes, you for inviting me. It was That's so fun, great. but it's definitely ah. past my bedtime. Okay. So. Yeah. yeah, I know. You look yeah. sleepy. So uh, <laughs> let me go. Bye. Bye. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.